The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Seven. Where to begin? The Cincinnati Bengals hosted the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, and while it looked like Cincinnati was maybe getting close to putting things back on the right track, the old demons came back and just happened to make their unwelcomed appearance at Paul Brown Stadium. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have all of you with me as we go over a little bit of what happened in the game, a little bit of what happened outside of the game shortly after it finished, and everything in between. You know, normally I take about 25, 30 minutes or so talking about the game in these post-game shows. I I don't know that I'm going to take that long. Maybe I will. But it's just so much more of the same, guys and gals. It is so much more of the same. And what else can you really say at this point other than Zach Taylor is 319-1 as the Bengals head coach. The Bengals since 2019 when he took over the team. They are 1-12-1 in one-score games. And today was no different as they let a win go through their fingers. See, catch the pun there. 37-34, Cleveland sweeps the Bengals on their home turf in the final seconds of the game when the Bengals had the lead. We've got a lot of questions, a lot of, you know, should they trade this guy? I'm seeing a bunch. Uh, First of all, I appreciate all those. We do try and have a, a listener questions live show on Fridays where we try to address a lot of those. I do address some of these on the post game, but I don't know that I'll get to, to too many of those, but I will try. I mean, I'm already seeing one right here uh, from Mark Jenkins. Do you think the Bengals should trade William Jackson? William Jackson isn't really the problem, guys. William Jackson didn't even play today, and we probably would not be having this conversation, especially with Odell Beckham Jr. going out at the very, very beginning of the game. We probably would not be having this conversation had William Jackson played in this game. You, you didn't have Joe Mixon. 
And we'll talk about the line, the offensive lineman as well. That was just a ridiculous situation that the Bengals had to deal with up front today. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of things in play and a lot of injuries that play into the result today. But that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse for yet another collapse. Another collapse where the Bengals had the lead late. Joe Burrow marches down the field, puts forth a gutsy go-ahead drive with a, a, under two minutes. You know, got got him down there in, in the two minute under the two minute warning. Got the ball into the end zone on a fourth and goal or a fourth down rather. And uh, you know, um, you know, it, it just. It baffles how this team cannot step up, particularly the defense, how this team cannot step up and close out a game. Uh, last week, it was a little bit on Burrow. I mean, it was on a lot, of, a lot of guys. He threw that late pick last week against the Colts. But, um, you know, I mean, there were a lot of different instances in that game that you could point to, probably even this one as well. But, you know, look, 34 points on your home field, 400 yards passing, three touchdowns. Quarterback did a lot today. Your rookie quarterback did a lot today to win you the game. And that's a game you most definitely should have had. Let's kind of, I'm going to share my screen on a couple of different things going on as well as the tail of the tape. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through a lot of different stats and interesting facets of the game, at least ones that I find particularly interesting. Hopefully you do as well. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with Cincy Jungle, the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. And uh, whether you're catching us maybe on your way home from the stadium, hopefully you had fun with that. Uh, a little bit more of a little bit more fans allowed in that stadium. I guess there was about 9,000 plus or so of 11,000, whether you're catching us after the fact, or maybe you're at home or, you know, you're walking around and catching us on your phone or your tablet or something like that. Happy to have you with us. We have a number of different shows. We do this post-game show on Sundays. We do the pre-game show by Narragansett Beer. We did that earlier today, Matt Minnick, myself, and John Sheeran. So hopefully you have fun kind of talking some bangles as we go up to kickoff there. We do a Monday news jumps where we get you going through all the headlines between the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL. So we'll be doing that tomorrow. We do our Wednesday deep analysis show with myself and John Sheeran. And then we do listener questions live almost every Friday uh, of, of the month, usually about three Fridays of the month, we do listener questions live. So join us for that and have your questions submitted on air. So I am going to share some things, folks. And unfortunately, I'm not going to start with statistics. Well, I guess in a way, I am going to start with some statistics. And these are ones that uh, I think we know by now. And I mentioned some. This is from our our good friend Vance Meek, a, a popular Bengals follow. Zach Taylor now won 12 and 1 in close games, and they're 1 3 and 1 in games where they had a fourth quarter lead this season, and he chalks that up to coaching. I think a lot of people um, have agreements with that. I think a lot of people have agreements with that. And I'm going to just, if you wouldn't mind me stroking my ego a little bit by sharing a tweet I had in six career games, guys, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Baker Mayfield is 5-1 and one with 17 touchdown passes. He had five touchdown passes today. Five. Unbelievable. Three of which, by the way, we can talk about the Cincinnati Bengals defense, their problems, and there are a lot of them, and we will talk about that. But before Luana Rumo got here, before even Marvin Lewis got here, covering tight ends and covering running backs that can catch the football has been a bane of the Bengals' existence. For as long as I can remember covering the team and watching them as a fan – that has been a major, 
major issue with the Cincinnati Bengals defense. And guess what? Today, four of Baker's touchdown passes went to tight ends and running backs. Three to tight ends, two to rookie Harrison Bryant, one to David Njoku, who is disgruntled himself, and, of course, one to Kareem Hunt. And then he had the final one at the end there to, to Peoples-Jones for the game winner. So five touchdowns, four of which went to tight ends and running backs. That's an issue, and it remains an issue. The Bengals tried to address that with a lot of different acquisitions in the draft and free agency, and it still isn't being cured. Still is not being cured. We'll, we'll show you some more numbers in a minute. Before we do, friends, I got to share some something that came up. I'm sure a lot of you have seen this, and this is part of the reason why I ended up taking the air a little bit later than I had hoped for today. Something occurred at the very end of the game and shortly after the game with a very disgruntled Bengals veteran, a guy who should be, by all accounts, in their ring of honor, if they ever make one, a guy whose jersey probably could or should be retired based on what he has done. He is two sacks away from the franchise all-time record. There's rumors now that he will be traded. And if you see here, I'm sharing a Twitter screen, a tweet from Carlos Dunlap. Approximately 6,000 square foot city view with huge balcony, four bedroom, four and a half bath in one of the best school districts for sale. Do your market analysis and make me an offer. Serious inquiries only with proof of funds. Owner is willing to sell furnished or unfurnished. This, folks, was sent... It shows 1.41 p.m. because I'm on Pacific time, guys. But 4.41 p.m. Do your math on how shortly after the game that was that Carlos Dunlap decided to send that out. Before he sent this out, he decided to get in a shouting match with a coach on the sideline. And um, that was caught on camera, and this situation just continues to get uglier and uglier. We're going to talk more about this, John and I will, on Wednesday night, the Carlos Dunlap situation. Chances are there there is a strong, strong possibility that Carlos Dunlap may not even be on this team in one form or another by the time Wednesday rolls around when we talk about it. There, Albert Breer reported he's on the trade block. What you can get for a guy like this at this point, I don't know. Um, maybe even a cut is a situation that the Bengals look at here. Uh, but this is, this is a situation spiraling out of control, absolutely spiraling out of control. And people have their thoughts and really quite frankly, just to kind of give you my mile high opinion of it at this point in time, this, this is a two-sided issue that's happening here. Carlos is not really going about this in a way that I, you know, he, when he went to Instagram the other day, he's talking about, he needs to communicate better. He needs to do this. And he put the onus on himself, which I found to be, you know, a bit professional and he didn't really blast openly the team or anything like that. But this kind of stuff immediately following a game, I understand you're frustrated, probably one out of the franchise, not the best look by 96 there, in my opinion, but also he probably has a right to be frustrated. This guy has seen a lot of frustrating, ridiculous losses in his career. He has worked with head coaches who cannot get them over the hump and or win critical games that need to be won. So obviously there's a communication issue from Carlos and the coaching staff, a two-way issue there, in my opinion. 
Some people side with Carlos. Some people side with the coaching staff and organization on this one. The bottom line is this, folks. Carlos Dunlap is the latest in a relatively long line of star players that have been disgruntled with this franchise and how it's run, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's ownership, what have you. This goes back all the way to Paul Brown days, Lamar Parrish. You can go into the 90s, Carl Pickens, Corey Dillon. When this team was not winning, Carl Pickens, Corey Dillon. You can even say Chad Johnson was disgruntled at times. Carson Palmer forced his way out of, of this uh, of this team. You can say Takeo Spikes didn't want to stay once free agent. He didn't force his way out, but when he was a free agent, he said bye-bye. By the way, we have an interview with him, and he talked about that. So check that one out in our archives, if you will. Um, Dunlap's just kind of the next in line here. There's probably a lot of others I'm not mentioning here, but uh, you know those are kind of ones that come top to mind. And uh, this is not something that's new with the Cincinnati Bengals. So you can blame the coaching staff. You can blame the player. The bottom line is this organization is not winning and this organization can't find ways to win the big games. They've caught lightning in a bottle, a handful of years in its exist in its entire existence, talking 81, 88, you know, 2005, 2015, and, and some nice playoff years aside from that. But, um, this organization obviously has its shortcomings and unfortunately it, it comes to a head in the form of what Carlos is, is putting out there in public. So I didn't really want to talk about that. And maybe that, maybe we will take the entire, you know, 25, 30 minutes that I said we would not. But um, with this, I, I had to let you know that, that, that Carlos Dunlap put that out there. And um, you know, I think a lot of you probably have seen that at this point, maybe even watched his Instagram video that he did earlier in the week, but this is getting very, very out of control and a situation that Zach Taylor needs to get under control. And unfortunately, how much clout does Zach Taylor, Luana Rumo and company, how much clout do they have right now? Right? Three wins in a year and a half of football. Three wins and a tie. Three and a half wins, I guess. And not only that, this team, I said this, I think, last week. Imagine you're you're now 112 and 1. Imagine if the team of those 14 games, imagine if over the last couple of years, they won seven of those. They were seven and seven. Yeah, you may not have gotten Burrow last year. I understand that, just kind of that argument. But my point is you could have built something a bit more foundationally sound under Zach Taylor if you're able to do that last year. And especially if you're winning those God, what is it? Four games now already this year that you that you lost or tied that are one possession games. If you won half, two or three of those, you're in the playoff picture with a rookie quarterback and feeling pretty good about things. This team, I, I said this when Marvin Lewis was head coach, and I guess I can say it now with Zach Taylor. A team often takes on the, the personality or the traits of its head coach or the coaching staff, meaning that if they, if you have a head coach who is confident, who is prepared, who is um, really obsessed with the game and, and obsessed with winning, that's infectious in a locker room, especially in a locker room with so many different players and so many different personalities. That becomes infectious. I don't, I'm not saying Zach Taylor doesn't want to win. I, I don't really know about his preparation process and all of that. I don't see day-to-day. I don't hear day-to-day. I assume he works hard. I've heard he works hard. A lot of players are vouching for him, but 
this point, three wins is three wins. Three wins in a tie is three wins in a tie. And that that is not getting it done. I've said also that I don't really like advocating for people to publicly to lose their jobs, especially with all kinds of wackiness that's happening in the world right now with employment and all kinds of stuff. And I still don't want to sit here and say, this guy should be fired. That guy should be fired. Get him out of here. That's I don't like to use this platform for that. I will say I, fi- I will find it very shocking if there is not some significant type of move made after this game, though. This one not only cut pretty deep because of the way you lose, but to the team you lost to on your home turf. Leading up to this week, I, I said a bunch of times that I think that this, the Cleveland Browns, just that game just means more to the Brown family based on the history there. Paul Brown getting ousted out of there in the 60s and um, what what transpired since. And I mean, they've, they've publicly said it. This They have a special, I guess, hatred in their heart for the Cleveland Browns. And when you lose a game like this, you get swept by the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield 5-1 and one against the Bengals. Baker Mayfield, former number one pick, sweeps Joe Burrow, number one pick. Granted, he's a rookie. I get it. But I don't think that sits well with ownership. I don't think that sits well with ownership. And I, I was thinking back again today. You look back to that the, the closing of second halves, the closing of games, Lou Anarumo's defense absolutely just collapses. Just collapses. Let's up at a minimum of field goal or critical touchdowns. And he they did it twice today. They did it twice in the in a matter of minutes, game minutes today. They let up two touchdowns. You just you can't have it. You can't have it. And I don't know if it's Lou Anarumo. I don't know if it's also because he's passed along play calling duties as well to Al Golden, the linebackers coach. If it's both of them, it's not working. And I know they've suffered a lot of injuries on that defense. I know. And I know you've got Carlos Dunlap, who is very, very disappointed and angry about his role. I know you've got Geno Atkins, who's like MIA. Where where is he at? Um, You've got him. You know, you don't have Trey Waynes. You lost DJ Reader for the year. Um, Mike Daniels is just coming back. You've got a lot of issues. I get it. But, you know. These schemes aren't working. You're putting Von Bell in situations that are not of his strength, largely being in man coverage against athletic, huge tight ends. He let up at least two, if not three, of the touchdowns today in coverage. I know, I know, I, I thought all three was were in man coverage. I'd have to go back and look, but I know at least two he was man-to-man, and that's just not drawing up the right schemes. Um that's not what you want for Von Bell. And supposedly we're going to have Sean Williams and Von Bell out there at the same time and mixing up all these looks and doing all these things. And it's just, they're not really doing that on that side of the ball. They're not getting pressure. I know you also don't have Sam Hubbard. I just, what I don't, what I don't want is to see this organization use excuses that we've seen before in terms of injuries and all of that to say, Hey, we'll be better next year. That's, that's, it seems as if that's been the broken record theme over the past couple of years. We'll be better next year. We'll be better next year. We'll be healthier. We'll be healthier. You get significant injuries every single year. And it's up to your coaching staff to be able to prepare in the wake of those losses, to be able to win games in the wake of those personnel losses, and really uh, to try and not skip too much of a beat, even though some of these guys are your star players, your, he- your heavily relied upon players. 
and this coaching staff isn't really doing that. Well, here, here I say I'm, we're not going to go that long, and we're already at like 20 minutes almost, but we're going to get to the tail of the tape and some other things in just a second. But I guess we will take our full allotted time that we have here. Thanks for joining us. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy, We've got a ton of live listeners. This is awesome. Happy to have you guys with us. Um, despite the circumstances, despite the circumstances, it's great having all of you watching and uh, checking out the show. Appreciate it. Um, we appreciate all the support and and not only for the post game show, the Orange and Black Insider, but also Ace and Zim's Orange Orange is the New Black podcast and New Stripe City channel, as well as Matt Minnick and all of his Chalk Talk episodes. That's on our channels there too. So. Um, I appreciate the support. I know sometimes it may not be easy talking and listening about the Cincinnati Bengals when uh, things aren't really going their way. And today, today, guys, uh, guys and gals, today sucked. That end result sucked because I, I actually felt that this was a critical game, not only really to for the Bengals maybe to salvage their season, but also for Taylor and company to to salvage their reputation. Even if they were to win 34-31 and you know, it was a, a barely win. You could you could spin that and say, look, I mean, they lost, by the way, I'll share this right now, I suppose. Uh, they lost three starting lo- offensive linemen in the game. Um, they, Joe Burrow threw for 400 yards, played well. And, you know, you, you could kind of spin that positively. And, you know, you would beat a then four and two team and you feel pretty good about winning a, team with a winning record, beating a team with a winning record at that point, and just didn't happen. Um, Bobby Hart, uh, we we were trying to get more information. Uh, Trey Hopkins left the game with a concussion. We know that. Jonah Williams left the game with a neck issue. That happened very shortly after the Miles Garrett play where he beat the heck out of Jonah Williams and strip-sacked Joe Burrow. Um so we have to see what happens there. That's that's not promising. He had uh, Jonah Williams had really been playing pretty well up to that point. So those two guys were out for a majority of the game, and then Bobby Hart left late in the game. Hakeem Adeniji came in um, and played, and you had essentially what was four backups and a guy. <laughs> if you look at the lineup here on CincyJungle.com, four kind of true backups or guys that were backups that are forced into starting roles because of injury and other issues. And one guy who's barely clinging on to his original starting spot based on up and down play, and that would be Michael Jordan. So you you had Fred Johnson at left tackle. He had a false start. Billy Price had some snapping issues and a penalty. Uh, Alex Redmond, pretty quiet day from his part. So uh, I, th- I think he played relatively well, but he is technically a backup. They wanted Suofilo at that spot. And then, of course, you had Adeniji coming in at right tackle at the end of the game for Bobby Hart. So not good there. One piece of good news before we um, go into the tale of the tape, I'm going to share this. This came across the newswire before kickoff. And it's one that may have been a bit um, a bit predictable, but the Bengals are hosting uh, Quentin Spain, guard, uh, a guy who is essentially one of the best available guys out there for interior offensive line in terms of options left. So we kind of thought that this was maybe going to be in a, a possibility. I would 
potentially – I would think that he would potentially sign at this point with, with Cincinnati. I think there's mutual interest. It's just a matter of, you know, if they do get that deal done, does he go to left guard? Does he go to right guard, which is kind of what his more natural spot is? He goes to right guard. And then what happens at left guard when Suofilo returns, which should be a couple of probably right after the bye. Um, so uh, interesting stuff there, but at least some good news for, for the Cincinnati Bengals as um, they try and recover from this one. So let's just take a brief look. I think we all know at least some of the stats at this point, but let's take a look at some things. These are your statistics for the Cincinnati Bengals burrow with really an incredible day aside from that. I hate to call it a rookie mistake, but a a play in the end zone, he would have loved to have back. And really, if you kind of look at the score again, that kind of makes a difference there. If the Bengals get any semblance of points, you know, we may be talking about a different result, but again, shoulda, woulda, coulda, and a number of that was, you know, there were many, many other issues besides that red zone interception. And he more than atoned with it with four touchdowns of his own, three through the air, 406 yards, 35 of 47, 34 yards rushing in a touchdown. The great one was the the call on third down in the fourth quarter on the go-ahead drive where he audibled into a quarterback draw where he scooted forward for about 10 yards and a first down. So that was, that was pretty awesome. Giovanni Bernard, I can't say enough about this guy. You look at, you look, the stat line does not tell the tale, guys. 13 carries, 37 yards, rough day on the ground. We figured that was probably going to be the case, 2.8 yards per carry. But if you look at the other things, the great catch on the touchdown, that was not a great throw by Burrow. It was a great play call. It was a great, um, you know, sell by Burrow. But the throw was, it was a difficult one for Bernard to catch. And he caught it on fourth and goal, got into the end zone for the lead, got the touchdown. We'll, we'll scoot down here. You see the five catches for 59 yards on five targets, caught everything thrown his way. The other thing, boys and girls, Giovanni Bernard and pass protection just remains to be something that is just so valued. There was one specific instance where they showed it on the replay where he picked up a blitz. There were others that maybe you didn't see close up, but he just is a very – you can kind of see why he's a captain. You can see why he's a valuable guy. And some people are like, well, why are you paying two running backs like that? This guy just does everything. And he doesn't always get the touches and the carries because of Joe Mixon, but he just does everything, and he does it well. And he even had a nice little return at the end of the game there to make it a little interesting um, with you know four seconds to play. He got him in, in pretty good field position on a kick return. So, you know, kudos – to Gio Bernard, tip of the cap to him. He uh, he played very, very well and a guy that I just continue to be impressed with. Um, Tyler Boyd, one of one. Uh, interestingly, he threw a pass. Uh, it was pretty pretty cool little play. It was a little trick play. And then the Bengals right after that went to a jet sweep. So it was just kind of trick play after trick play. I think they were trying to really shell game what was going on on their offensive line and trying to do different things. So uh, Tyler Boyd just with another outstanding day today. T. Higgins with another uh, great day here. You can see the seven-yard run from T. And then, of course, Tyler Boyd, 11 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown on 13 targets. Decent day from A.J. Green, back-to-back week. Seven catches, 82 yards. Still the 13 targets. There were a couple there that you just ah, you wish that he had. And you kind of feel like a couple of those were maybe ones that could the old A.J have had that could AJ from 2016 2015 have had that catch I don't know but coming off of 
what's essentially, um, I think about 180 or so yards over the last couple of games. So 190 yards or so over the last couple of games. So good couple of weeks by AJ Green, productive couple of weeks from AJ Green. T Higgins, five catches, 71 yards and the great yards after the catch touchdown that he had. He is emerging at it as a big time threat for this team. I mentioned Geo five for fifty nine in the passing game. Mike Thomas had a couple of nice catches. Did have a bobble on the on the in a drop um, on one play that was disappointing, but um, you know came up with a couple of nice plays in this game. Drew Sample a nice game today. Did have the one ball knocked away in the end zone, very reminiscent of you know maybe another, but this one was you know I, I felt that there might have been some pass interference on that one. Five catches, fifty two yards. Um, stepped up pretty big this week. I thought I thought he played pretty nice. Um, five catches on six, six, uh, targets there. There are some instances with Joe Burrow where you wish, you know, the, the awareness potentially of some back back end pressure that, uh, you know, unfortunately it's just, it's difficult to see. You can't have eyes in the back of your head, but some quarterbacks just learn to feel that pressure a couple of times today. He did not. And one of which was at miles Garrett strip sack from behind. There was another one where he almost got the ball knocked away from him. Uh, while they were driving to score, he he fumbled the ball three times today. Luckily, only lost one of them. So, um, yeah, Darius Phillips with an interception, a great one, a great one to begin the game. But Darius Phillips at the end, um, a couple of big completions, including the ball going right through his hands for the game-winning touchdown. A ridiculous catch by Peoples Jones um, in the end zone there, but. Again, you know, Phillips, I, I gave him credit at the beginning of the game. He was a guy who called uh, passive-aggressively called some of the coaching staff and whatever out on social media and came up right away with an interception but then ended up playing not great football at the end there. Um, you know, if you're going to put that stuff out there, you got to be able to, to walk the walk as well, um, and he only kind of partially did it with that interception. It was a great play. The interception was a great play, but there were other – completions and look I think I know he's still a young player I know he's getting snaps and I know he's getting starter snaps for the, for really kind of the first time um, you know he had some last year and then he, he's had some this year but this is just kind of who he is and I don't I don't know that he is a at this point a viable number one number two corner for for a team even though he may still be ascending as a player it's just too up and down it's too up and down um he needs to get a little bit more consistent and it's not just so big play, let up a big play, big play, let up a big play. He's, he's got to find some consistency there. Um, Cincinnati did okay. Uh, well against the run sort of today, we'll talk more about that. It wasn't absolutely killing him. It was more just Baker Mayfield making plays, being very accurate and Baker Mayfield doing what he does against the Bengals. 17 touchdowns in, in six games, 17 touchdown passes in six games. That's just crazy, crazy. Uh, Josh Bynes, leading tackler. Um, you can see here a lot of hits on Baker or some hits on Baker, but look, goose egg all the way down the sack column. Can't win a game if you don't bring down the quarterback at least once, at least not usually you can't. Randy Bullock, perfect on the day, four extra points, two field goals. Uh, not much from the return game. I did mention the one from Geo, um, and then, you know, an 11-yard return from Alex Erickson, so nothing really there. Brandon Wilson not really looking like the same returner from a year ago. Look at Baker Mayfield, 20, uh, 22 of 28. He There was a point where he hit 18. He might have even gone beyond that, but he set a franchise record 
for 18 straight completions against the Cincinnati Bengals, 22 completions for 297 yards, five touchdowns. Unbelievable. Kareem Hunt, you can see here as a team, they were under 100 yards. I mean, that was manageable. That was manageable. And that was kind of one of the things that the Bengals wanted to do. They wanted to be able to stop the run and force Baker to beat him. And to Baker's credit, he did. Um, but, you know, Lou Anarumo, Al Golden, and, and company kind of gave him the assist, I think. And they're not they're not finding ways to generate pressure up front. They're not finding ways to come up in clutch situations. And I feel like a broken record because I feel like I say that every single week. Every single week. Um, but it bears repeating. You can see here the numbers, Rashard Higgins, six catches, 110 yards, big game from him, caught all six targets. He just seemed to be open in the middle of the field all day long. Harrison Bryant, four catches, 56 yards, and two touchdowns on five targets. Talk about a day. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the game-winning touchdown, three catches, 56 yards on three. He caught all three targets. By the way, those were his first career catches. So a career day from Harrison Bryant, given up by the Cincinnati Bengals. And first career catches and touchdowns by Donovan Peoples-Jones. So that's fun. Jarvis Landry, not much of a factor. And then, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. left on that interception with a knee injury. Um, it did not return. David Njoku was the other guy who had uh, – the, the other tight end who had a, a receiving touchdown, as did Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. Not too big of a – I mean, you see Miles Garrett. They got to Burrow a couple of times, but you see Miles Garrett here with the two sacks. Big game from him. Half a sack from Sheldon Rick Richardson, one from Ronnie Harrison on a, on a blitz, and then Kevin Johnson shared that one with, um, with Richardson. So four sacks of Burrow. Four sacks of Burrow. Um, you know, and I think, I think, again, there were a couple where Burrow was kind of – extending a play, rolling out to try and find some guys. And uh, I think you would find that maybe a couple of those are on Burrow. But for the most part, you know, the rest is kind of par for the course, par for the course. So, I, I, you know, we can talk more about some of this stuff, and i got to get out of here in a couple minutes because I know we're going long. But if you look here, this is what I'm talking about. Bengals get the ball back. When did they start this drive here? Bengals get the ball back with 4.53 to play, meaning the last touchdown, the Kareem Hunt touchdown that the Bengals surrendered, was under five, with under five minutes to play. Bengals got the ball, marched all the way down. You can see how long this drive was, and they scored with just over a minute to play. Minute six. So... In less than five game minutes, Lou Anarumo's defense led up two game-leading fourth-quarter touchdowns. Inexplicable. Inexplicable. And this, you know, the Bengals were the ones at, at halftime, I believe, that, uh, yeah, so they scored. They were the ones who scored the touchdown right before the half. Usually they are on the recipient <laughs> they're the recipients of that. You can see with like 21 seconds left, they scored the Tyler Boyd touchdown. But even so, I mean, even right before that, a touchdown was given up again, right? You know, it's not right before the half, but it's shortly before you can see, I think what, yeah, 342. So, I mean, they were just giving up points right before the conclusions of, you know, both halves. 
It's uh, unfortunately some of the other stats haven't been compiled yet. I like to look at the team stats in terms of third, you know, third down conversions and all of that. That hasn't been fully compiled yet on NFL.com, but um, it, you know, that's kind of the tail of the tape, folks. Um, I, I don't. I, I feel like every time they lose a game, I'm, my my show should be called "I don't know." I don't know. I. Because in these last few years, these last couple of years, and really this year, I'm out of answers. And the way they are losing games is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You look at – I was going through again on my on my ride home. I was going through again week one. Game-winning touchdown, called back by a penalty, game-tying field goal, miss. You lose. Week two against Cleveland, you know, Bengals were kind of playing catch-up that entire game. Uh, got it within one score. Burrow played his butt off in that game. Okay, you kind of say, well, that was kind of meant to be a loss, but still a one-possession game, a game that was in reach. Um, okay, fine. Next week, you have the lead, touchdown lead, with less than two two minutes to play to the Eagles. You surrender it, you end up tying that game. Week four, you know, you beat Jacksonville, you get shellacked by Baltimore, and then last week, you had a lead again. You had a 21-point lead at one point. You give that up. You're driving for the game-winning score at the end there. Burrow throws the interception at the very end of the game to ice that one. And then this one, you have a game-winning touchdown, which should be a game-winning touchdown with a minute six to play. And Cleveland needs a field goal to tie. They get a they throw a dime touchdown and win the game with 11 seconds left. And, uh, you know, this is, this is an interesting, this is an interesting question here. Big Jim Slade, who would you want to be a defensive coordinator under Zach? If we do get rid of uh, Lou, I think the question also pertains to, you know, if you're, if for those of you who are saying, get rid of Zach, get rid of Lou and who are you going to get right now? Who's going to fill in Brian Callahan, a guy who hasn't even really been calling plays. He's created the offense with Zach, but he's not calling plays. You want him to run the team? You want Lou Anarumo if Zach's the guy that gets the axe? You want Lou Anarumo running the team? I mean, the only real replacement for an interim head coach that makes any sense is Darren Simmons, a guy that they interviewed anyway when Zach Taylor was interviewed. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, let's get rid of these guys. Who, who are you going to – I mean, I know it can't be much worse than what we're seeing, I guess, in terms of wins and losses, but who are you going to get, at least for right now? Maybe that's not of primary concern, but someone's got to run the team. Someone's got to keep this team together if, if you're going to get rid of some of these figureheads and these coaches. I don't know what the best answer is, but, you know, who would you want to be a defensive coordinator under Zach if we get rid of Lou? Big Jim. Um, I, my entire thing with this, I liked the Zach Taylor hire from the get-go because it showed progressiveness from the from the team that is usually just incredibly slow moving to change and incredibly conservative. And sometimes that's a good thing, but you know, I mean, we saw what we saw under Marvin and the regression that was taking place. And, you know, they, it was a move that was going to be really risky one way or the other, but I wanted from the get go, I wanted an experience because Zach was inexperienced. He was potentially bringing in an exciting offensive coordinator that may have been inexperienced himself. I wanted an experienced defensive coordinator 
preferably one that has some NFL head coaching experience. That's why Dennis Allen's name was kicked around. That's why Jack Del Rio's name was kicked around. That's why Dom Capers' name was kicked around when Zach first took this job. And I would have been fine with all of that. Some people may say, oh, well, you know, that's the guy that's going to be breathing down Zach's neck to take his job. No, that's a guy that can bring knowledge and experience to an inexperienced staff and kind of level everybody out. Instead, what you have are guys still learning on the fly on their job right now, including Zach Taylor. You have all new guys, really, except for Darren Simmons, a lot of new guys. And maybe that gives these guys a pass for some of these records and issues we're seeing on the field. Maybe it doesn't for some of you, but um, I mean, that if there's a move to be made, at least, you know, I don't know what you can do at this point in time. You basically have to promote from within. If you're going to fire one of these guys, you have to promote from within, but um, you know, long-term starting next year, I would prefer experience on this staff and someone with a track record of success, you know, whether they struggled as a head coach, but have been very successful as a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, what have you, or maybe they were a former successful head coach that, um, you know, is looking to get back into things and will take a coordinator position for the time being. And maybe that keeps Taylor's seat a bit more hot. And I don't know. I don't know how hot Zach Taylor's seat is right now. I, I, I tend to think that it would be pretty hot after just because of, again, the opponent you lost to the way you lost to him on your home stadium. I just, I don't see this loss sitting well with the Brown family. I don't. Now things could turn around if the, if somehow the Bengals end up beating the Titans this week, this coming week. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of Bengals football and I kind of know what the song and dance is that's going to be coming. They're going to get, they're going to probably go into the bye at one, six and one, and they're going to come out of it with a very soft back schedule, probably get to, you know, five, 10 and one, six, nine and one, whatever, rattle off a couple of wins when you're already out of the playoff hunt against soft teams. And that's where they're going to, that's what they're going to put the feather in the cap with going into 21. That's I've seen that before. I, I hate to be cynical. I hate to be negative, but I've just, I've seen that before. And that's, that's kind of what I'm preparing for at this point. And if that makes me negative and that turns people off from listening to me or whatever, I'm sorry, but I've just, I've seen a lot of Bengals football and I've seen how this team operates and I, I can, I, <laughs> I can just see that one coming. I can see that one coming, but they've surprised me at times. They surprised me with this free agency period this, this offseason, um, they surprised me with the Zach Taylor hiring. And those were, you know, for the most part at the time, they were two positives that I was very excited about. So I could be wrong, but I, I that's what I'm preparing for because I have seen that happen with this team quite frequently, quite frequently. And I don't know that this team can really afford to, if that does play out that way, I don't know that this team can afford to continue to, to go down this route and have things comprised as they are the game plans be what they are it's not working it's not working obviously i mean it's just not working and today was was no exception and i wish uh, on some level i it's surprising anytime a team is able to win a game the way the browns win won that game against the Bengals. but it's almost like we've become accustomed to these types of losses. And that's just 
really should be unacceptable. If you're if you're management, um, you know, and, and whatever you see fit as to how to change that, whether it's coaching changes, whether it's personnel changes, making trades for some of these disgruntled guys, um, and maybe picking up some draft picks and trying to rebuild for next year or what have you. I don't know. Maybe a combination of all of it, but this should just not be, this should not be accepted. And the the way in losing games and the way in losing games against division rivals just should not be accepted. Uh, this was a pivotal game in this season. I feel like I've said that a bunch of times this year already, but this was a pivotal game for the for the trajectory of the season and for kind of feelings about the Zach Taylor era where it's heading and. Pivotal game for you know potential job security for some of these guys on this on on this team. I don't I don't know if Mike Brown's going to pull the trigger on on doing some things. They did this a couple of years ago, if you remember. Terrell Austin didn't even make it through the season through one season. The team the team was so historically bad on defense. Now they're not giving they're not giving up the, the amount of yards and all that kind of stuff under Lou Anarumo, but it's almost like worse they're, because they're they're just absolutely collapsing in these critical moments in games that could and should be won. That's almost worse. That's all I got for you guys. Uh, again, check out our show. Check out uh, all of our podcasts on cincyjungle.com. Wherever you get all of your audio podcasts on your favorite platform, get it there. We're on YouTube. I think it's over by my left shoulder. There's a little icon to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do that. Check out the other podcasts as well. We're bringing you a lot of different content on the podcast side. We will be having Mike Daniels, by the way, on our podcast coming up pretty soon here. It should be in the next couple of weeks. We're ironing that out with his camp. So if you didn't check the interview out the first time we had him on the program, very entertaining guy. We will be having him on as well. So check that out and get all of your news, opinions, analysis, all of that on cincyjungle.com. Appreciate you all tuning in. We had a lot of different live viewers. That's awesome. And uh, thanks for downloading after the fact. Hang in there. 